You are listening to a podcast from Backstage on the Fringe.com. Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of the Backstage on the Fringe podcast. In this episode, I spoke to Anna Thomas about her show, How to Drink Wine Like a Wanker. We talked about where the show idea came from and the challenges of bringing a show and wine from the other side of the world. Anna Thomas, and it's How to Drink Wine Like a Wanker. Anna, thank you very much for talking to Backstage on the Fringe. This is a very unusually titled show. <laughs> uh, tell us about, tell us the elevator pitch for this, this okay. show. Okay. Um, so How to Drink Wine Like a Wanker is a story of, um, I guess, mass self-discovery. Um, it involves a wine flight of six really beautiful South Australian wines, and they're each used as a chapter to help move through the story of the last 12 months of my life. So it sort of um, it, it works through this concept of, of me running wine tours um, when I had no wine knowledge and then how I ended up finding this wine knowledge and becoming a full-blown wanker and the tragedy that led me to it. Fantastic. Uh, why Edinburgh and why this year? Um, look, it's a, it shocks me actually, <laughs> even now sitting here. Um, I opened it actually, uh, debuted it in the Adelaide Fringe um, this year at with no real expectations. Uh, it was certainly the first time I've written and whilst I've performed before, it's definitely the first time I've been a solo performer and producer and director all in one. But I had um, significant success in Adelaide and sold out every show and put on some extra shows and, and they sold out and I had really wonderful reviews, which was quite a shock as well. Um, and then a couple of offers were put forward to, to come to Edinburgh. And while I don't know if I was ready for it, I also felt like if I didn't take the opportunity, I might regret it. Right. So... so- what can the audience expect from the hour they're going to be spending with you? It's probably slightly different than the um, title might allude to. Um, it's quite whimsical, really, as a title, isn't it? But um, look, it's in, and it's probably more satirical. Um, they can expect to go on a really fun journey um, because their story is, one, all true, and two, quite ridiculous. Um, but they're also going to go on a journey of, I guess, discovering some really beautiful wines and how the parallels of, of those wines, their qualities and characteristics can quite um, beautifully parallel your own. Um, and that's, you know, I use that as a way to describe, I started learning about wine by actually paralleling myself to those scenarios. At the same time, they're going to have an opportunity to go through my journey and understand how it came about. And um, I guess at the end there is, you know, what's quite lovely is it sort of ends with this concept of um, probably starting to scratch at the surface of some of the sort of hidden biological plights of women that we don't necessarily acknowledge in the world and maybe it's time to do that. Do you have a particularly favourite part of the show to perform? Uh, Oh, yes, I do. Uh, Two uh, favourite parts, really. Um, Third Wine Inn is a really incredible um, Rassan. It's one of my favourite wines. Um, And that story, that particular story that involves that Rassan is about me being um, my lovely web of deceit as a pretend wine tour guide um, gets uncovered. Um, But I get an opportunity to start exploring and understanding wines and also start exploring and understanding myself. And then the other key part um, is probably the end because I lead in, end on my favourite favourite all-time wine in South Australia um, and I get an opportunity to, I guess, surmise the fact that I, I found a... I didn't find, I didn't find an end, but I found a resolution to where I was and an, an opportunity for a new beginning. I'm not sure how many fringe totals will be teetotal... Sorry, fringe goers will be teetotal, but... Um 
is this a show for someone who doesn't drink as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the the um, I have actually shipped all the wines over, so people can buy the wine flight and join in. Um, I think it's about seven pounds fifty, and that gets an opportunity to try six pretty incredible South Australian wines. Um, but it's there's lots of people that haven't chosen to participate that in Adelaide, and they've still really enjoyed the story. I think sometimes maybe the wine acts as a little bit of a lubricant, and it can help <laughs> ship people through <laughs> yeah. some of the emotional moments and the embarrassing ones as well. Um, but there's certainly people who have chosen not to do that. What would success look like at the end of the run for you? Okay, I've taken a pretty conservative position on this, so I haven't um, aimed for huge ticket sales or uh, massive acclaim. Uh, for me, uh, breaking even would be lovely. That's a really lovely goal, just purely because it would be nice and comfortable to go home to that. <laughs> um, what I really want is an opportunity to have my work reviewed and, and looked at and, and have that critical feedback and that opportunity to, to create conversations and potentially see whether I can develop something further in, um, in the world of writing and performing, if possible. Um, the background behind my entire story is that I was a, a massive corporate sellout. I used to be a quite senior executive and, um, and now I you know, and, and moving down a path of art. So it's quite a scary thing for me to do. So this is a real opportunity to see whether it has some kind of legs in Does the show the reveal <laughs> your reasonings behind making that switch? Sorry, what was that? Does the show reveal your reasonings behind making that switch? Yes, it does, yes. So at one point in time, this show didn't exist. Correct. And then it did, and there must have been a decision-making process in between. Without giving anything away from the show... Was there a key moment that happened that made you decide, I'm going to do something different? There was a very key moment that, that it gets exposed in the show that made me end my career. Um, and that in a lot of my reviews talk about all that, giving away the information. So there's a very key moment that made me end my career. Um, but the creation of the show is, I guess, um, a little aside to that. I've always um, been involved in the arts, I've always wanted to be in the arts, but I... Um, uh, was forced to do a, a sensible uni degree. My parents were quite strong on that. Um, so then I started trying to chase an arts dream in my early 20s and then my beautiful daughter came along a little earlier than expected. So instead I, I followed a corporate path and, and created a life for her and I and made sure that she had lots of choices and opportunities. So in the background there's just been bubbling this urge to, to be in the arts, whether it was as a performer or whether I found out afterwards maybe a writer. But there was something there and, it, and I've just felt it aching at me and so when I ended my career and then spent this year meandering in wine I just started writing and it just started it just I don't know it just started opening up all these ideas and I guess um, maybe dreams that I've sort of closeted away for a while and so the show sort of evolved from that it didn't evolve how I thought it would evolve it, it definitely took a, a more um, realistic and and Serious but beautiful narrative. It was all supposed to be funny initially, but it just didn't take me there as I wrote right. it. <laughs> how, how does an audience react to the show? And do audiences tend to react in the same way? Uh, yes, they do. Definitely, in certain elements, they definitely react in the same way. So it tends to, it starts fun. So people will generally come in and have a really good time and then they move through the sort of emotion of the, of the show. And most, I've never really had a bad reaction. I did have one man that didn't like the idea that he, he thought the glass ceiling was bullshit <laughs> for women. But um, most people, there's the same pattern of reaction. But of course, it depends, as you know, on, on the audience of the day. I can have um, 
you know, it's not that outrageously funny, but it's it's fun. Black and white that audiences are thigh slapping and, and laughing out loud, and other audiences who are deadly silent, and it just depends on on that day. But their actual reaction to the end of the show is is quite similar, which is lovely because it means I'm communicating um, consistently with the audience. As someone who comes from a corporate background, tell me about how you've promoted and, and sold this show. How have you packaged it specifically for Edinburgh? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've done it particularly well because <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but I have lots of friends in the industry performing here, so they've all been very guiding. Um, I've gone pretty um, pretty lean, so I have the flyering and the, some posters. Um, what I did do, try to do is be a bit different. I've actually got coasters, drink coasters, and I've been going to different bars and um, pubs and, and asking them to use that each time they serve beer. Um, but really, I've just t- attacked social media um, where possible. Um, and maybe, again, I don't know if I'm doing it particularly well, um, but I've just I've gone subtly where possible and then just tried to um, make an inroads where I can see an opportunity. A lot of it probably with Twitter, which I find very uncomfortable. I'm, I'm old and <laughs> I don't know how to use Twitter, so this has been quite a quite a quick work of discovery for me. Um, and then I'll probably start flying. I don't start until Saturday, so I'll probably start flying on, on Friday um, as well, um, which is for me feels really uncomfortable. It's a very un-Australian thing to do. We don't self-promote. We just take down anyone who's successful and make everyone feel bad. <laughs> So you may well find in Edinburgh that the person giving out the flyers being uncomfortable will be just as uncomfortable as the person receiving the flyer, particularly if they're from Edinburgh, because we kind of yeah. shy away from <laughs> Can these imagine. Backstage on the Fringe, the podcast that goes behind the scenes at the Edinburgh Festival. If you like the podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on whichever platform you access your podcast from. You can contact me on Twitter via the handle at Backstage Fringe or by email backstageonthefringe at gmail.com. But for now, back to the podcast. (laughs) I I wanted to comment specifically on the social media stuff because since arranging this interview and following on Twitter and stuff, there is a great deal of um, discussion and noise about this show. And a lot of artists that I've been connected with and talking to are interested and are very supportive of it. Have you found that in the last few weeks? Um, Yes, I probably have. And because I've got nothing to compare it to, I don't know if that was... A normal response or not but I certainly have had wonderful support from a lot of people I've not met before but they just sort of saw a solo artist and wanted to support them and um, it's been lovely because it, you know it's helped me look at other shows that I want to go see um, and and learn from and also it's also really helped learning how they use the social media as well um, I, I wasn't because I haven't been sure how it would be received it was received very well in Adelaide but you know, we throw we throw the term wanker in Australia around pretty casually, like we do with a lot of swear words. I wasn't sure how it would be received here, but it seems to be getting quite a you know a lovely lot of interest. And I think because I've been openly honest about how inexperienced I am, some of the artists are actually quite supportive of me. Edinburgh is an unusual place, and that you have all these people who come in from everywhere else in the country yeah. and the world to see shows as well as as perform shows, uh, and a show like this. It's very succinct, it's very clear uh, in terms of its title. And I think that you'll get quite a significant audience coming along to this. Um, Zoo's a great venue as well, and I think it's a really popular venue. Um, and there's an awful lot of um, foot traffic that goes by it. So I think I think you'll do really well. I, re- I really do hope so. I mean, I, I've, you know, ticket sales are okay. It would be nice to see it a little, <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but I, I've certainly noticed, I've sort of spent the last two, I only got here a couple of days ago, so I've spent the last two days sort of 
watching that foot traffic and watching the kind of people that move through and being very conscious that you don't want to waste people's time with a flyer if they're not, not interested in that. So sort of learning about that. But I think I'm really lucky that with Zoo, there's lots of lovely solo artists. So everyone's um, communicating together and saying, oh, I need people in my show, can you come? And so there's lots of wonderful talk and, and engagement. And I've also been very, very fortunate. Um, I um, was awarded a um, small grant from the um, Arts SA, so the Maiden Adelaide grant. And that's a lovely little community of, of um, artists that are over here and they're all helping promote each other as well. So I think we've got a nice network that's helping each other, which I'm very grateful for because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> this sounds like it's a, a personal story. Could it work without the wine? It could work without the wine. Um, I decided, I, I nearly decided not to do it because it was an expensive task yeah, to, yeah. to bring it over and I wanted to keep it affordable for people to buy and, and not be inaccessible. Um, but it is, one of the things a reviewer said to me that I, I really took on board, that they, they really enjoyed the show, uh, but they said to me one of the things they loved the most was it did help lubricate some of the more difficult moments in the story. And I and I actually, because you can hide behind a glass. It's very small, but it's like people hiding behind cigarettes. There's something in that. And I like the idea that that allows people this sort of fake sense of protection about it. So I made the decision that I, I won't change it. I'll bring it over, whether I lose money or not or not, just so that it has the opportunity. But also a big part of it is that um, each of the wines are actually quite personal to me because they each were a moment in time that I was inspired by that winery or that particular wine. And that, apart from two of them, they're all very boutique, um, gorgeous little wineries in South Australia and I really wanted to support them. They didn't know I was doing the show. They didn't know I used their wines. Um, they just suddenly got... I got calls from them saying, what's going on? Why are all these people turning up to, <laughs> to the cellar doors? Uh, I'd really wanted them to... Um, get some glory without having to do any of the work as well and I thought that was really important too. What advice would you give a, a, a company or a performer coming to the Fringe for the first time um, given that Edinburgh is this incredibly crowded marketplace? Oh, great question. Because um, I'm still looking for advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel I um, actually... Um, my husband and I and, and his father own a restaurant and bar back in Adelaide. And so I was incredibly busy leading up to the Fringe doing my normal sort of day job. And so I found it quite hard to do. I'd hear friends say to me, oh, have you done this yet? Have you done that? Has your publicist done this? And I wasn't doing any of that because I didn't have the time or the, or the funds to do it. Um, and I wish what I did do was connect earlier with um, not just Adelaide artists, but maybe some people in Edinburgh and, and a little bit more with Fringe Central and their support networks. Because when I got in here on that first day, the you know the stress that I was feeling was immediately relieved when I sat down with the guys here at Fringe Central and the artist group who gave me all the advice I needed. And I probably should have just admitted defeat early <laughs> and took some help. Yeah. And I think that the, the time for... Um Blagging it and professionalism is in the show. The stuff that goes on behind the scenes and the guys at Fringe Central are amazing. Uh, the Fringe Press Office and yeah. the, the artists themselves will kind of rally around each other and support each other. I know you're going to see a Fringe show this yeah. afternoon, but people are very, very generous. Um, the thing that they get short of probably around about the third week is time and temper sometimes because they can be a bit, <laughs> why has nobody reviewed my show? Or why am I not getting enough people in? I really don't think you're going to struggle to get an audience for this show. I think oh, that Edinburgh I is the so. type of place that this 
type of work suits perfectly. Um, I think there is an audience for virtually every type of theatre. Yeah, I the really front. think there is, and there's some beautiful shows out there. I'm looking forward to seeing a few more. I've seen a couple already, but there's some lovely things that I'm, I'm really keen to have a look at. And I think what I also really like about it is that I'm standing... So yesterday I was walking through there and there was two very famous comedians standing there chatting and then just some teenagers handing out their flyers next to them. Everyone's on an equal playing field when it comes to the fringe. They're not going to necessarily get the equal attention, but they're out there giving it a shot. And that was really quite a lovely thing to see. It is a great leveller. I've seen many a comedian that you think would do really well take on perhaps like a one-man show or a play um, out with their normal comfort zone and really struggle with, why aren't people flocking to this? Because it's two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon yeah. <laughs> and it's raining, you know that's why nobody's coming today. But you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're yeah. going to be really busy. Is there anything from your perspective, and it's really interesting because this is your first fringe, that the fringe could do better to encourage more artists to come? Oh, that's a really great. I mean, because it's so big, encouraging more would be almost terrifying. Um, it is. It is hard because if I was really honest. And it's a part of the fringe I enjoy. It's the same with in Adelaide. There's there's some wonderful comedic acts and some big acts that come to each of the fringes. But I sometimes wonder if that is not always what the fringe is about. Like I do, I do think the fringe. What I'd like to see is not necessarily not having those amazing big acts coming, but then maybe the fringe itself, as a you know both in Adelaide and here. Um, as a company needs to help promote the smaller guys just that little bit more so that you know ticket sales are a possibility because it, the, the risk is huge and I think people don't realise that that you know um, it costs thousands for one person to bring over a show from anywhere you know let alone from overseas and and that's spent whether you get sales or not and I think that the public doesn't realise that so they don't realise the importance of just taking a risk, jumping jumping into the unknown and taking a risk and, and seeing what it's like. So sometimes I think maybe it'd be nice to see just a little bit more for the smaller guys so that they, they can feel a little bit of success as well. I, I love the Fringe and I've been coming for a long time and one of the things that I think the Fringe needs to do is tap into locals more. Um, the Assembly and various other organisations are doing uh, tickets on certain days. That if you have an EH postcode, they're discounted tickets. Oh, wow, that's fabulous. Um, because that audience is there all the time. Yeah. And although lots of people do leave the town to rent out their homes through Airbnb and stuff, there are lots of people who live and work here who will come and sit in a beer yeah. garden but may not necessarily spend that money on a show. 12, 15 pounds for a show. Mm. For, you know, they'll see some things on the free fringe and I think we could make it more accessible for people locally. Because yeah. people who are going to come from Australia and America and London are going to come. They're going to have disposable income. They're going to be willing yeah. to spend that. But encouraging locals, perhaps on days that a lot of quiet. Yeah, because it's quite interesting. In Adelaide, it's um, quite the opposite. So we, um, about 80%, I think, of our audience are, are locals and about 20% are interstate and international people. And so one of the things you can do in Adelaide is market months in advance because also people get quite organised and buy tickets quite early, actually. Whereas what I'm noticing here is that marketing months in advance probably won't work because half the people won't be here um, by the time you come. Um, and then, of course, ticket sales are quite late because you know, these people have only just arrived. They're tourists, so to speak. So it's quite a different sort of playing ground. I, I didn't know how to tackle that. Um, and so social media was the best thing I could do at that stage um, to do that. So it would be nice to find a way to tap in locally because then you've got an opportunity to market a little bit earlier and a bit more successfully, I think. When and where can we see your show? 
So I'm on at 8pm at Zoo Venues from the 11th to the 27th of August and I'm in the Cabaret Bar so um, if you don't like drinking wine you can still come and drink a beer if you need to. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for talking to Backstage on the Fringe and best of luck with the run. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Backstage on the Fringe podcast. A new episode will be released shortly so make sure to subscribe and you won't miss it. Make the